Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. I think he'll come off the board as the third quarterback. I don't think he can play. Like honestly, he just he can't play. He's late on every throw. Like if he throws to his first read, like okay, it's fine, I guess. But he's late on every throw. I think um, the stat that Mike put out the other day about you know just looking at throws to just open receivers and he just misses them like once every five throws. I mean that's terrible. This could come back to bite me. This could be a, a cold take. I wouldn't draft Herbert in the first round. Honestly, he just he can't play. He could potentially be one of the biggest mistakes of the draft. The sledgehammer, that's a great weapon. It would be a slow motion car crash that we all see coming. And he may not even be the third best quarterback in this draft. I just don't think he's that good, Dan. I really don't. His ball placement leaves a lot to be desired. Oh, Not sure he can win the locker room. <laughs> for a touchdown! One catch today for four yards. Herbert looking deep towards the end zone. Great adjustment and the catch! Touchdown, Virgil Green! Herbert releases deep down the sideline. Guyton's got a step. There he goes. See you later as Guyton walks it in. Second and goal. Three guys right there. Herbert rolling right. Herbert pump fakes, trying to take it in himself. Dives and he's in for the touchdown. Third and goal. Herbert throwing end zone touchdown Keenan Allen second and nine Herbert gonna go deep down the far sideline it is caught and out of bounds short of the goal line by Mike Williams Herbert on the move looking looking throwing touchdown that's really well done that's just great patience Herbert going to go for it all. Corner of the end zone. It is caught for the touchdown. Using a lot of time here and still just at the 27. Herbert steps up into the pocket. Let's it go to a wide open Allen. Touchdown, Los Angeles. It is play action. A deep drop to let him develop. Launching downfield. It is pulled in. Tyron Johnson 225 yards for Herbert now facing pressure here on first and ten picked up he's got blown coverage in Williams 
Did he get two in? He did. Make them defend the run as well as the play action. Here you go. It is play action. Looking to throw it back. It's the fullback neighbors in for the touchdown. A new set of downs for the L.A. Chargers. Running out of time, throwing off his back foot, and he hits his man close to midfield. This play will bring us to the two-minute warning. Third and ten for the Chargers. Herbert throwing, goal line, touchdown, Keenan Allen. Got to get some pressure on Herbert. He's too comfortable right now in the pocket. Straight drop. All kinds of time and going deep down the middle of the field. It is caught by Tyron Johnson. Herbert rolling, looking, throwing, end zone, touchdown. Keenan Allen. Just look at this secondary. You can't even see him on the screen. All the way back to their 20-yard line. Yeah, they just want to let him complete the ball here. And... Fourth and 27. And under pressure, he shakes one. Herbert continues to look and launches it. Oh, this is going to be interesting. Well, that's the second time this has happened now. Jeez, we saw it a couple weeks ago. This ball is caught by Tyron Johnson. Here we go. 16 seconds. They've got the one timeout from the 49-yard line. Herbert given time. He's got Johnson perfectly thrown, and they tee Badgley up. Shot fired. Second down and 10. Play action, and uh, he does have time. Pass is caught. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. I'm Tony Reed. Wearing a hoodie today, so I'm less threatening. This isn't threatening. A camouflage hat is, I guess. It's the 9th of February. I'm going a day early because I'm going to go fishing before the bottom falls out. We're going to have freezing rain, snow, highs in the 20s. It's it's end of days. And the intro there is uh, Herbert. And this dip will be coming out in a second. And this will be a dipless show. It's a gift to my wife, but I had a do a pre-thing. And the picture, of course, is of Aaron Rodgers got the MVP. Herbert was from the University of Oregon. Those who follow the show, I'm an Oregon Duck fan, and I've talked about him. And, of course, he was dogged mercilessly that he was a horrible football player, he would never make it in the NFL, and he's the rookie of the year. So, I had to play that to start off. It's a non-political thing. But we're going to do Super Bowl today. A lot of anti-conservative stuff, because that's our new thing. Everybody's a terrorist. Yeah, we're all terrorists over here, if we disagree. And uh, a couple sound bites shouldn't be as long as usual. But Pat McAfee, I wanted to give props. He's the one that came up with this. All right, and I could play all day the multiple Herbert, you suck. All right, you suck. But I want to get something done up front. I have gotten some comments through the website, just a few, but I had a friend say something in jest, but being that I'm 53 years old, um, when you say something, even when a joke, there's truth to it. There's something you say. And this person and I had been arguing quite a bit, and, and it literally was a statement that was probably a one-off. Didn't mean anything about it, probably. But being that I know 
10% truth in everything you say. I wanted to address it. If you're new to this show, this show is about media bias. It's why I did it. My original political inclinations wasn't to be a Republican or Democrat, wasn't to root for a side. It was how much of a shit show our media was. It drove me crazy, the bias that's allowed. But we're in a world now, because of Trump, that many people have lost their sense of reality. They hate Trump so bad and have gone to the trough of liberal media that they really think everybody who doesn't think Trump's the devil, the Capitol riot was the worst thing that ever happened to the country, or mocks the idea of Q and Proud Boy, well, you must be a terrorist. You side with them because you don't excoriate them as much as we do. And the statement was, unless you get in a tower with your AR or Storm Federal buildings, we're good. That was a statement from a friend. My assumption, because he's listened to the show. Now, to infer that I would do something like that is pretty fucking insulting. Because I'm not a violent person. I get angry on here because people like that person are getting brainwashed by the media complex that is really making you believe Q, Proud Boy, white supremacists are worse than Antifa and BLM. That a Capitol riot is worse than what happened all summer. So I decided to make a little vignette on why I do the show and why I get angry on the show. But for the record, I'm not storming buildings. I'm not going to use my AR for anything other than target practice or defending my home if that needs arises. But I flip on anybody who thinks things like that about any conservative doing a podcast or a TV show. If you think there's a difference between what I'm saying about the liberal media and the soul-crushing unconstitutional effort by the left to censor everybody on the right, including getting rid of Fox News, you need to clean your headgear out. Nothing I say on here will incite violence. What they said about Trump for fucking four years did incite violence. People shot up baseball fields. People destroyed cities. Their lies about black-involved shootings gave us $4 billion of damage. Trump's lies about an election... Had a couple hundred people incited by fucking violence. And as proven, Antifa insurgents within that, plus Trump people. And they stormed one building. They didn't almost kill congressmen. They weren't getting AOC. She wasn't even in the fucking building. 
But as you'll see in my vignette, they are winning. They're brainwashing the masses with the constant, if you disagree, if you supported Trump on anything, you need to be deprogrammed bullshit. And it's just not my ex-friend. This is rampant. We will do an article today about a lady who got her driveway plowed by a Trump supporter. And she likened them to his bala. That's why I do a show. If the media's mantra over and over is affecting everybody, it isn't Fox News or Trump making people crazy. It's the rest of them. I do a podcast because in our world, this network, Fox News, is not news. But ABC, CBS, NBC, and PBS, New York Times, CNN, MSNBC, and WAPO, who push just liberal things, are news. I do a podcast because YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter have chosen sides. And there's no surprise that this guy is the devil to most of the country, but these two are not, yet they will be supported in everything they do by all those people. Schumer's a bad dude, but all you know is McConnell's a devil, and this woman is a saint. You're scared of Q. You're scared of Proud Boys, and you think white supremacists are everywhere. They're not. This riot was horrible. Time to focus. Time to focus. But this was worse all summer long. We would like David's legacy legacy to be remembered remembered as a loving husband. As a loving husband. Antifa is lauded and Black Lives Matter is supported by these companies. Do you think that's bad? Your vice president supported it. All these Organizations is, uh, supported it. Because I look like this does not make me one of these people. But I ask you, if you support Black Lives Matter and Antifa, and you don't think that major corporations and our vice president supporting it's a bad thing, and that all these are real news, well, maybe it's more about you than it is about me. Back to normal. I know the camouflage hat makes me an insurgent seditionist because everybody who has a beard and has camouflage in the Washington Post, the New York Times, CNN, and MSDNC, well, you must be a proud boy. If you own an AR, you must be a school shooter. That's why I do a podcast. That's why I get angry. I'm not a Trumper. I'm not part of Q, I'm not part of Proud Boys, I'm not a white supremacist. The fact that I don't know any Q people, Proud Boys, or white supremacists, 
and I'm a vet, because we're all suspect now, I bet none of you do either. But I know people in Antifa. I know people who burn shit and tore shit up. I know people that are in BLM and do believe we should overthrow this country and turn it into a Marxist society. I have a daughter who's down with censoring everybody who doesn't believe what she believes. My closing statement's true. If you think a guy in a booth who has, on average, 50 people listen to his podcast is a threat to democracy, so much so you believe he's going to go in a bell tower and rush a building because he didn't think Trump was the worst president ever. And he does think corporate sponsorship of a presidency of a movement like BLM financed by these companies lockdowns financed an election financed by companies who gave their own money to ensure a person didn't get elected. Oh, we're going to cover time again today. Maybe it's you and not me. If you believe words are violence, that my little podcast shows inclination, my hat and my beard is inclination that I'm a violent person, then what in the name of fuck is this? I, I, I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country, and maybe there will be. People need to start taking to the streets. This is a dictator. You know, there needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there's unrest in our lives. Enemies of the state. Show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. Do something about your dad's immigration practices, you feckless. When they go low, we kick How do you resist the temptation to run up and wring her neck? The biggest terror threat in this country is white men, most of them radicalized right up to the right. I thought he should have punched him in the face. I said, even if you lost, he insulted your wife. Yes. He came down the escalator and called Mexicans rapists and murders. He said, well, what do you think I should have done? I said, I think you should have punched him in the face and then gotten out of the race. You would have been a hero. I'd like to punch him in the face. I said, if we were in high school, I'd take you behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. Punch some people in the face! When was the last time an actor assassinated a president? They're still going to have to go out and put a bullet in Donald Trump, and that's a fact. Look as his character is stabbed to death. Where is John Wilkes Booth when you need him? I have thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. A Missouri state senator is under investigation by the Secret Service after saying she hopes President Trump is assassinated. I will go and take Trump out tonight. And if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome. And sadly, the domestic enemies to our voting system and our honoring our Constitution are are right at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. They're not going to stop before Election Day in November, and they're not going to stop after Election Day. And that should be, everyone should take note of that on both levels, that this isn't, they're not going to let up, and they should not. If you think we're rallying now, you ain't seen nothing yet.
I want to be clear in how I characterize this. This is a, mostly a protest. Uh, it is not. Uh, it is not generally speaking unruly. Peaceful protest. Peaceful protesters. Peaceful protest. 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 Peaceful protesters. On behalf of myself, my children, and the family of David Dorn, we'd like to thank friends, neighbors, co-workers, and the community for showing all the love and support we've suffered through the tragic loss of my husband, my beloved husband, David Dorn. We'd also like to thank Sidless Metropolitan Police Department for their hard work and perseverance through this investigation as well as Circuit Attorney's Office. He dedicated his life to the city of St. Louis, retiring at the rank of captain after 38 years of distinguishable service, then as a chief of Moline Acres for almost six years. During those years, he's touched so many lives as a friend, mentor, co-worker, and guardian. His life was senselessly taken from me, from us, by an opportunist who had no regards for human life or the law. This didn't have to happen, but it must have been God's plan for David. We need to come together as a community and do better. We need to teach our young people that life is very precious. We as a family are going to be taking some time to focus our attention on healing which is very important as we move forward. We would like David's legacy to be remembered as a loving husband, father, grandfather, brother, uncle, friend, colleague, and most importantly, a child of God. I want to thank you all for coming, and God bless you all. Today you're going to impeach a president. It probably won't go through because you don't have two-thirds votes. For inciting a riot. Yet everybody that was a never-Trumper, every media outlet, took part in inciting riots all summer. Nobody had a problem with it. And yeah, I know my little vignette had echo because I couldn't get it to accept the audio and an overlay audio. 
But I think it works pretty good with the peaceful tr- protesters because it was more than just a few times. We made a concerted effort to say to the American people that nothing BLM and Antifa was doing was violence while they were doing true violence. Capital bad. Summer of love worse. If you can't see that and you think people saying it on a podcast is violent rhetoric, well, then it's you. And it's just not this person. I read comments all the time on Twitter. Every non-partisan, I love the media person, supposedly non-partisan, believes this shit. They believe what the capital was, was 9-11. But a summer of violence wasn't. 600 officers injured, 36 murdered, untold Americans murdered in the street. Once again, for four years, it was okay to beat people who wore red hats. Covington Catholic, Maxine Waters, who's now denying it. That was okay. Nobody had a problem with it. They did incite riots. But once again, because of the media, the echo chamber, if you believe the second impeachment is just a charade that Republicans and Democrats are doing because they don't want him to ever run for president again, you're anti-American. You must believe he incited that riot that happened six minutes before he said anything. It was already starting. That's not a support of Trump. That's just facts. But we don't use facts. The facts that every major network is for suppression of speech and using drones against people who supported Trump isn't violent. A dude in a podcast booth, he's violent. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we're good with that. Huge majority of Americans do not like political statements in their Super Bowl ads. They consider them inappropriate. So the the big number was literally uh, only 13% thought it was appropriate to go political. But you can't tell with what we ended up happening. So here's a montage of the Super Bowl. Right off the bat, the Karens and the COVID police were very upset with people who didn't wear masks. These people are the most tested people in the world. They're tested every fucking day, for fuck's sake. Why would they wear a mask if they're being tested and everybody around them is being tested and all the crews being tested, but CNN still called the cops? There remain a lot of concern about crowds who are converging and people not taking all the precautions that have been recommended. There's a lot of concern here, Fred, and hence my double mask that I'm wearing. Uh, here, we're at the poorhouse in Tampa. And uh, if you take a look here behind me, you can see there's a, a pretty healthy crowd here. Um, they, we are outside, and they are doing their best to safely social distance. But 
there are a lot of people here. Uh, some of them are just hanging out at tables. They're not all from the same party, obviously, or the same family, um, which is what officials recommend, but they are outside. But let me show you this video from last night on Super Bowl Eve from Ybor City. Just take a look at this. This is a huge amount of people, hundreds of people in the street. And you can see uh, most of them are not even wearing masks. Uh, we're also told that they were on the dance floors in a lot of these clubs. And the dance floors right now during the pandemic are supposed to actually be closed. Uh, I gave a call to Tampa police to ask them what's going on with all these people that are out and about and not wearing masks because there is a mask mandate in the city of Tampa while this pandemic is underway and during this time of the game there you're not you're supposed to be wearing a mask if you're anywhere near Raymond James Stadium or if you're in a bar or a restaurant or or anywhere in one of these events or entertainment areas and you can see from the pictures and the video uh, that we have that people are just not paying much attention to that mask mandate you're supposed to be fined up to $500 so I asked the Tampa police how many citations have been issued what do you want to say in response to this what's being done about it because a lot of people are upset about it Remember, it's the big lie that really started all of this that led to the actions that we saw take place on January 6th. And Nick, last night we got the breaking news that Fox Business was canceling its highest rated show, Lou Dobbs Tonight, just a day after a voting technology company named him, Fox News and other personalities, as part of a $2.7 billion lawsuit over election disinformation. I know you say this lawsuit is a real threat to the existence of Fox News. Explain. Well, everybody always asks me, what is the big difference between back in Watergate and today? And one of those big differences is Fox News, that people do not get their facts from the same place and have the same facts because Fox News basically follows the alternate facts uh, that Donald Trump has spewed out. What is amazing here is this suit is really a viable lawsuit. I brought these kinds of suits before. I've defended these kinds of suits. I mean, they have got very powerful evidence that the defendants in this case, uh, including Lou Dobbs, including other Fox personalities, Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell, purposely lied and used smart uh, as the villain here to try and create a lie and give legs to this lie uh, in order to make it believable. And what you've got now is you actually have a private company bringing a lawsuit here um, to for for defamation that could actually change the behavior of Fox News. Hmm. I mean, and change the behavior of a lot of other companies uh, that are like Fox News out there that would be following suit. I mean, you couldn't have the government do this because it would look like too far reaching and a violation of First Amendment rights. But what's amazing here and what really is ironic is that you've got a private corporation doing this, basically taking us back to what our democracy is supposed to be. It's supposed to be based on everybody having the same facts, yeah. discussing the same facts to come to a policy resolution. And here it is. I mean, we've got now two lawsuits like this out there that are really forcing um, companies like Fox News to think twice before spinning these lies on behalf of Donald Trump and others.
finally, right? That, that's my reaction. April, what was yours when you learned that Lou Dobbs had been canceled? Um, I'm not shocked because it's common sense. Uh, when you obscure facts with entertainment and people are sick of it and you are messing with other people's branding and their money, they're going to hit you in the pocket and make you cringe. And that's what happened to state-run TV or, as we call Fox and Fox Business, Lou Dobbs promoted the lies that President, then President Donald John Trump told and, and questioned the electoral system with the, 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 the equipment that's part of the process. So I'm not surprised, and I believe this is a signaling of more to come. And they knew better. That is what is just so unbelievable. Exactly. April Ryan and Nick Ackerman, um, you both are so smart. Great to have you with us. Thanks. Thank you. There's a chapel in Kansas standing on the exact center of the lower 48. It never closes. All are more than welcome to come meet here in the middle. It's no secret, the middle has been a hard place to get to lately, between red and blue, between servant and citizen, between our freedom and our fear. Now fear has never been the best of who we are, and as for freedom, it's not the property of just the fortunate few, it belongs to us all, whoever you are. Wherever you're from, it's what connects us. And we need that connection. We need the middle. We just have to remember the very soil we stand on is common ground. So we can get there. We can make it to the mountaintop, through the desert. And we will cross this divide. Our light has always found its way through the darkness. And there's hope on the road up ahead. just have to remember the very soil we stand on is common ground. Ah. Back now, 7.30. That was one of the Super Bowl ads that caught a lot of eyes last night. A rare commercial appearance by the legendary Bruce Springsteen talks about we don't need to be on the right or the left when he's yeah. in the middle. That was a Craig Melvin favorite. It was we'll wonderful. About coming up. Here's Springsteen calling for reunity. It, it was so effective. What made it work? You know, the thing that works for me is it's really consistent with the Jeep brand positioning as this kind of global, iconic American brand. And obviously, when you bring the boss in, Bruce Springsteen, kind of born in the USA, there's probably no more powerful storyteller 
that could have delivered that message. And the boss himself joining forces with Jeep, calling on Americans to meet in the middle after the tumultuous political year. And I think the symbol of all that was right and what advertisers were trying to do, but how they were hindered, was the Bruce Springsteen ad for Jeep. Here we have this ad that anybody can agree is this marvelous message about United States reuniting. What worked for this ad for you? Uh, yeah, this was one of my favorites. Um, it, you know, it's Bruce Springsteen. You can't go wrong yeah. with him. But I think he he really hit the note, or this ad really hit the note of the theme of unity, which was one thing I think we were expecting to see. And some of the brands that tried it, it fell short. It was too much. And this just seemed to be, it, it wasn't preachy. It was just really, really heartfelt. And, and that's why I really liked it. Called the cops. And the end, of course, was Bruce Springsteen. Now, of course, the media loved the Bruce Springsteen in the middle. Singer-songwriter Bruce Springsteen calls upon Americans to meet in the middle in two-minute Jeep advertisement. Chief marketing officer of the company that owns Jeep spent 10 years gently pitching Springsteen manager on the idea for a commercial to no avail a few weeks ago in a surprise. Springsteen said yes. The ad is inspiring, this is a variety, to be sure, but also certain to raise eyebrows. Springsteen is not known for taking part in commercials. Indeed, the only example on Springsteen expert could find is an artist joking reading promotion for white wine visiting Philadelphia. Before his landmark album Border Run became a cultural phenomenon, since the moment, I don't think he's ever endorsed a commercial or a product. Um, somebody said. That raised the eyebrows. No! No, that's not what raised the eyebrows. Mediaite, Dan Abrams' uh, website, Bruce Springsteen Jeep ad promoting reuniting states divided America naturally. And this is written by Zachary Fabrizio. There's a chapel, blah, 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 blah. It's no secret. The middle has been a hard place. We need the middle. We just have to remember. At the end of the video, the final tribute started to the reunited states of America. Twitter was split on the ad. Oh, fuck off, Jeep. Oh, I know, I just said this, but the Bruce Springsteen Jeep commercial was the biggest pile of both side bullshit I've ever seen. These are lefties, of course. Yes, they said 9-11 was fake, and those school shootings were fake, and the storm in the Capitol wasn't a big deal. But I think it's time we all come together. Hey, Jeep, where was this hilarious maudlin, let's all come together and find common ground tripe when leftists were calling the Republican president a Nazi for four years? Jeep paid $10 million for the both side nonsense. Jeep can get the fuck out of here. Did any major corporation or Super Bowl ads trying to get leftists to treat Trump as legitimate in 2016? No. Then Jeep can shove it. Best out of the Super Bowl. And just like that, Jeep will be the best commercial of the night. Thank you, Jeep. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, another article. No thanks. Trump hater Bruce Springsteen seeks reunited Americans Super Bowl ad. Federalist. The three worst things about that terrible Jeep ad. The messenger is known for hating Republicans. Many Americans love Springsteen's music. A successful career spanned four decades. Many liberals love that he shares their political views and works so hard as a political activist. Every Democratic president he's played for. You understand that, right? Before the night of the election. Till Biden. I don't think he played for Biden. Just before the 2020 election, Springsteen called for an exorcism in our nation capital as dark music played on his radio show of Trump's president. He said, I thought it was a fucking nightmare, but it was true. The episode titled Farewell to the Thief also insulted President Trump's family. 71 Springsteen told Australia he would leave the United States of Trump won. 
of Bush W. in 08, Springsteen said the United States was now suffering the consequences of eight years of rule by a very radical group of people who pushed things in the very radical direction, had great success in moving things in that direction, and were suffering the consequences. But 2016, he was calling President Trump a moron, and 17, he bashed Trump. On Twitter, blah, blah, blah. The images were all off. The ad began with an image of a tiny Christian capital in the middle of the continental United States. The chapel, which seats maybe a half dozen, featured a cross on top of a map of the United States that is painted like an American flag. Later, Springsteen narration used biblical imagery evoking the Old Testament journey of the Jews to Promised Land. So we can get there, we can make it through the desert. Springsteen says that the chapel's for all, which is undoubtedly true, but it's very particular religious imagery to be used to service of a car sales. While lefties began claiming that Springsteen was endorsing Christian nationalism, others felt the Jeep was using our religion and God to mock us. I can't tell you how many fucking tweets I read. I can't believe they had a cross in a commercial. It was more lefty than Republican on Twitter when you went, because, you know, Twitter promoted it. They're going to promote any unity now. Because unity just means shut the fuck up. Take the 50 executive actions, losing your job, having $5 gas, illegals all over the fucking place, and shut the fuck up. Oh, and we're going to take your guns. So just shut the fuck up. That's unity. Which, once again, never Trumpers for. All these never Trumper conservatives, the Cheneys, all them, they're for this. It's back to normal. Trump's gone. They never want to realize that it isn't Trump that radicalized people. Trump just tapped into shit we were already saying. The enemy of the people of the United States is the media. Yeah, it's overborn. It's too audacious. But it's true. They hate you if you're a Christian, a gun owner, pro-life. All their articles are, it's your fault America's fucked up. White women. They hate white women. Every election that they lose, it's about white women. So the media hasn't been on the up and up since Bush, in my lifetime, where they actually try to do some facts. They just don't. So he tapped into it. And the utter contempt even Republicans have for their voters... It's all true. He just tapped into what was already being said on Twitter. The argument for unity was not made well. She breaks it down. The reality is, this is how I do a podcast. This is why I do a podcast. Bruce Springsteen is put off on it as an everyman. This is a great commercial. America needs unity now. Four years ago... Trump's a Nazi, all his followers are racist KKKs. Putin owns the White House. We go through this every time a damn gets elected. But Bruce Springsteen, a person has said hateful shit my entire life, so much so I stopped listening to him. That's who they choose. And then they get beat up about being Christian stuff. Which is just insane. That he would even do it. They had to pay him a good price because he hates Christians too. Toxic masculinity is on full display. Blue checks call out Tom Brady for not wearing a mask the Super Bowl. Washington Post. 
This is all our Super Bowl coverage. The Buccaneers embody Tampa's love of pirates. Is that a problem? Yeah. Yeah, real pirates. He's real. On Super Bowl Sunday, the Washington Post is here to remind us that normalizing pirates is problematic. So if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are not canceled soon, we will all be tolerating raiding galleons, plundering coastal towns, and swashbuckling. From the article, yet while this celebration of piracy seems like innocent fun and pride in a local culture, there is danger in romanticizing ruthless cutthroats who created a crisis in world trade when they captured and plundered thousands of ships in the Atlantic trade routes between America, Africa, and Great Britain. Why? Because it takes these murderous thieves who did terrible things like locking women and children in burning churches and make them a symbol of freedom and adventure erasing their wicked deeds from historical memory. I'm not reading anymore. Yeah, they believe it. Yeah, they, they believe this shit. This, this is who we voted for. Want some championship football with your race discussion? Because that was all over there. Had to have it. BLM activist Bree Newsom is tired of Tom Brady goat talk. First of all, I don't know where folks got the idea that we judge athleticism based on number of trophies or rings. Someone, especially in case of team sports, secondly, M. Ali, T. Woods, and S. Williams all have more significant victories over the extended time in solo sports. I'm legit not saying this just to shade Tom Brady, but folks are way out of pocket with this greatest athlete combo. Tom Brady is statistically one of the greatest QBs in the league that consistently denies black athletes an opportunity to play QB. That's the most accurate description of his position in both NFL history and the position of the NFL relative to sports history overall. There is so an enormous amount of racial undertones to this entire convo about Brady being the best athlete of all time in a way that willfully ignores black athletes past and present, as well as ongoing systemic dis- discrimination against black athletes. Branson Taylor, a black guy. Ignore black athletes. Ah, ha, 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 ah. Absolutely great black athletes have been completely ignored. It's only because of my attending an immersive BLM seminar that I heard of Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Emmett Smith, Kobe Bryant, Jerry Rice, and all other 13 trillion top black athletes. Cam Newton, Teddy Bridgewater, Dwayne Haskins, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, Tyrod Taylor, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson. Last year, there was the most black starting quarterbacks of all time. But yeah, black quarterbacks. Mm -mm. They don't get any play in the NFL. Just a washed up piece of shit like Kaepernick. Who once again, because he was black, was offered another contract that he turned down. The, The media always leaves that out. They leave it out because it doesn't go with the narrative. And once again, if you point out that he was offered a contract and his play had really gone down, you're a racist. See how it works? It's such a neat system they have set up. They can claim irrelevant and statistically incorrect bullshit all the time and then get away with it. Because that's our system. But... Systemic racism. Yeah, that, that's it. Dan Rather. This is all real. Is it responsible having commercials showing people gathering in large groups without masks? In a commercial. 
which brings us to our next one. No one on Sesame Street is wearing a mask. Not a lot of masks being worn on Sesame Street. Calling all fans raised on Sesame Street. We're donating $1 up to $1 million for each order on Sesame Street. The world lost it. Don't forget to mask up even when you're out walking your dog. P.S. Champ and Major agree. Dr. Biden. Of course, didn't attack. Can you spot the difference in these two New York Times headlines? Thousands of people crowded the streets of Tampa, Florida after the Buccaneers beat the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Videos show many revelers not wearing masks and ignoring social distancing. That's the New York Times on February 8th. People's response, it's a peaceful protest. Thousands of people crowded the streets of Tampa, red states. Looked like a protest to me. Florida doesn't have a mandatory mandate. L.A. did this twice and stories never came out like this. Wonder why. That's true. Then you have a rollicking New York Times celebration for Biden win. Well into the night, people cheered, danced, broke out champagne and honked horns in the city, which in President Trump's hometown, but had turned on him. People put it side by side. In Tampa, Super Bowl celebrations bring super spreader concerns. A rollicking New York City celebration for Biden's win. It all has to do that Brady supported Trump. The city, the state is Florida. Florida is bad. But they're real news, Mr. President. Turns out, woke Manhattan DA candidate, survivor, alumna, triggered by crowd at unsafe Super Bowl, is a big fan of SJW protests and love riots. Alicia Orleans watching the Super Bowl and seeing so many people in one place is making my heart race. This feels unsafe. And I guess I'm rooting for the team with the racist name of the team with the Trump-loving QB and a sport that still hasn't apologized to Colin Kaepernick. But then they show her side by side. We won President Biden. New York City is truly amazing. And going all the way back in her Twitter feed to when it was more important to go out and protest racial injustice than it was to protect for COVID. Same media. But I'm the threat. Just remember that. Miss, this is a Wendy's. Blue check Warren Dam drag for hitting every SJW panic button and a single anti-Super Bowl tweet. Oh shit, it's her again. Sorry. They did two articles. Lots of blue checks shrieked about the maskless Tom Brady. Man, they just hate this motherfucker. Here's the reality. I fucking hate Tom Brady. I've always hated Tom Brady. Tom Brady's a fucking dick face. It's not fair that one guy can go to the Super Bowl ten fucking times and have seven fucking rings. But he's the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time. He'll always be the GOAT. Nobody will accomplish not Mahomes. No. They'll never do what he did. It'll never happen in our lifetime. It just won't. Sorry, I had to put a dip back in. Just won't happen. But to attack him over a mask is so fucking insane. 
It's just so fucking insane. Are you fucking shitting me? He is tested over and over. It's just like that shit with Trump the night that he came back from the hospital and he took his mask off. He's not going to spread anything. But they lost their shit because all of this over and over and over has nothing to do with actual science or what's really going to happen. No, it's about politics. If you have a D behind your name, you can ignore everything and go to the Washington Memorial and go see Lincoln. Your whole family can. You can be butt-ass naked, no fucking masks. We don't have a problem with it. But if you go on a balcony and all by yourself outside, you're a piece of shit. I mean, the whole concept about fucking mask outside, kiss my white ass. I wear a mask. I wear a mask all the time. I have wipes for the rest of my fucking life. I decon whenever I get done. But when me and the wife go out to the lake by ourselves, I don't mask. I don't think deer and antelope playing are going to give me COVID. So I had a weird lockup, so I kind of stopped it on my last little rant. One last thing before we move on, we're going to move to anti-GOP. This is my Soundgarden sweatshirt. You really can't say it. I got this with that. Have you never got the remastered? Um, see, it's doing that when I move and then stop. That's just weird. But if you haven't got the remastered Super Unknown, I bought that box set that came with the shirt and the hat and a whole bunch of the shit. It is so amazing how different it sounded when they remastered it. Greatest album ever. So, let's move into our anti-GOP, because there's plenty. We're going to start with that Los Angeles Time article, because this is really, it ties into my beginning little segment of why I do a podcast. It's not to recruit my proud boy racist buddies so we could go storm capitals or shoot people off towers. As my friend said, uh, it's actually because of stupid ass shit like this. So we're going to watch the one commercial that actually brought tears to my eyes. And it's the most anti-liberal commercial. When you watch this Toyota commercial, remember, people like this in Europe are exterminated in the womb. They find out through amniocentesis that they have diseases, and they just fucking abort that ass. And that's what the left wants to do. But this little paraplegic Olympian got to live, was adopted, and is now a star. And she's a beautiful young girl. But the video is heartwarming. But to the left, and I'm sure we'll see an article eventually from like Jezebel or one of these anti-fucking-life, you know, pro-life websites that hate pro-life people. This is a horrible commercial. And then we'll go into our bumper for anti-GOP shenanigans. for your adoption, but there are some things you need to know. She's in Siberia, and she was born with a rare condition. Her legs will need to be amputated. I know this is difficult to hear. Her life, it won't be easy.
long? It might not be easy, but it'll be amazing. I can't wait to meet her. The emphasis in these first weeks of the Biden presidency, speed. Good morning, George. No doubt. Joe Biden has worked with remarkable speed to take down some of the central pillars of the Trump presidency in just two weeks. Consider just a few of the issues. Immigration. He has lifted the cap on refugees, moved to reunite some of those families separated at the border, stopped construction of the border wall, dropped the travel ban on majority Muslim countries and reinstated DACA. Then on climate, he's rejoined the Paris Climate Accords, paused new oil and gas leases, Leases halted construction of the Keystone pipeline, pipeline, and he's reestablished climate change, combating climate change as a central national security priority. Then uh, look at COVID relief. This perhaps uh, the most significant area. He has uh, gone with his mask mandates, and he has rejoined the World Health Organization. And George, he has done all of this through executive action, a more aggressive use of executive action than even what we saw with Donald Trump or Barack Obama. He has not had to wait for Congress. And John, he has had meetings with Republican senators, but it's pretty clear that there is not going to be Republican support for this COVID relief package. No, and this shows, George, what you, when you saw Kamala Harris cast that tie-breaking vote for the budget resolution, you saw just how those two runoff elections in the Senate races in Georgia have really changed the course of the Biden presidency. He does not need Republican support. He can go ahead with his $1.9 trillion COVID relief package, the biggest legislative priority he has without a single Republican vote. His biggest challenge is going to be keeping all the Democrats online. But the bottom line is he doesn't actually need Republicans. But the president did promise during his campaign that he helped unify the country, that he would try for bipartisan approaches. He also said that Republicans would have an epiphany once he's elected and come around. Uh, not exactly an epiphany, but it is remarkable, George, that even through all of this, Biden has managed to have so far a pretty good relationship with Mitch McConnell, the Republican leader in the Senate. Uh, the two, I am told, speak regularly. And if you look at the Biden cabinet, we've only had uh, six of his nominees confirmed so far, but all six of them have had Republican support, at least some Republican support. And Mitch McConnell has voted for all of them, except for uh, Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas. And I also think it was significant, at least symbolically, George, that the very first meeting that, that Joe Biden had with members of Congress in the Oval Office was with a group of... Let's remember that President Trump, uh, for all the things that he did in the, in the four years that he was in office, family separation in particular will go down as one of the most signature, dangerous, cruel, um, dehumanizing things that, that a president has done in the history of the United States. There, it, cannot be, it can be compared in some ways to the Middle Passage, separating African Americans and throwing them across the United States. Um, this was a policy that ripped children out of the hands of their parents and their guardians um, and you can't unsee the images that we saw um, at the border with crying children, with children in cages, um, with, 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 with young children trying to care for other young children because their parents were, were kidnapped essentially from them. 
Biden now has to come in and say, I'm going to do this differently. And he has said that he's going to do this differently. He has said that he's going to look at immigrants um, in a way that is not dehumanizing. And I think that that's going to be the policy that they're going to try to enforce. And I think they're going to be journals like me and Jacob and others who are really going to be asking, well, what do these what is owed to these immigrants? Because I'm also thinking of a woman going. I know we've been talking about family separation, but the remain in Mexico policy. I went down to Mexico and interviewed a woman who was kidnapped with along with her young daughter while being forced to remain in Mexico. Again, a policy that was decreed by international agencies that was seen as inhumane, that was seen as completely not part of the, uh, the asylum-seeking process that was illegal, essentially, in the eyes of the international community. That woman was kidnapped. What is she now owed, and where? how are we going to find her? These are the questions that the Biden administration has not answered yet, but these are going to be the questions at the heart of the policies, not just how are they going to tweak and change things, but also what are the reparations in some ways owed to so many of these Americans, so many of these immigrants, rather, that were that were now in some ways thrown away by by America. And I have to say one other thing, underscoring all of this as we talk about this racial reckoning is xenophobia, is racism, is white supremacy. What how when, when when you separate brown children, especially from their mothers, we have to ask ourselves, how was that allowed to be to happen? And how what role did white supremacy play in that? Yeah, executive actions are great. They weren't for, you know, they never are for GOP people. But, you know, for them, they're great. Let's let's go ahead and go into our Dems calling for violent shit. It's always my fucking favorite. Um, and then you have Elcinder that, uh, you know, what Biden's doing right now, separating kids is not white supremacy. But when Trump did it, it was white supremacy. Hmm. To the New York Times article, this, or Los Angeles Times, I'm sorry. What can you do about Trumpites next door? Virginia Hefferman. Oh, heck no. The Trumpites next door to our pandemic getaway, who seem as devoted to the ex-president as you can get without being Q fans, just plowed our driveway without being asked and did a great job. How am I going to resist demands for unity in the face of this act of aggressive niceness? Of course, on some levels, I realize I owe them thanks. And man, it really looks like the guy backdragged the driveway like a pro. But how much thanks? These neighbors are staunch partisans of blue lives, and there aren't a lot of anything other than white lives in the neighborhood. This is also kind of weird. Back in the city, people don't sweep other people's walkways for nothing. Maybe it's like that Eddie Murphy discovered in the old Saturday Night Live sketch, White Like Me. He goes undercover in white makeup and finds that when white people are among their own, they pop free champagne and live high fives. As Murphy pets it, Soleil began to realize that when white people are alone, they give each other stuff for free. Hezbollah, the Shiite Islamist party political party in Lebanon also gives things away for free. The favors Hezbollah does for people in the cities, Tree and Sedan, probably don't involve snowplows. But like other mafias, Hezbollah tends to its own. The Shiites, sick, elderly, and hungry. They offer protection and hospitality when loyalty that way. And they also demand devotion in their brutal us-versus-them anti-Sunni cause. Some of us are families they favor, say. The rest are infidels. The same is true with Louis Farrakhan, who currently holds the Nation of Islam. While the Southern Poverty Law classifies him as a dangerous anti-Semite, much of his flock say he's just a little screwy and unfailing monogamous to them. When someone helps you when you're down or snowed in, it's almost impossible to regard them as a blight of the world. In fact, you're more likely to be overwhelmed with the gratitude and convince the person inherited goodness. 
You might end up like upper middle class family I stayed with in France as a teenager. They did not attend a citywide celebration for the 100th birthday of Charles de Gaulle, the war hero who orchestrated the liberation of his country from Nazi Germany in 1944. They did have several portraits of Philip Pisani, Nazi collaborator, on their wall. When I screwed up the courage to ask how it was for them during the occupation, the lady in the house replied, we were happy because the Nazis were very polis. I didn't know the word, so I excused myself to consult the dictionary. I was in terror when I found the entry, polite. So when I accept generosity from my pandemic neighbors, acknowledge the legitimate kindness with a wave of a plate of cookies, am I also sealing us in as fellow travelers who are very polis to each other, but not so much to them? Loving your neighbor is evidently much easier when your neighbor is full of people like you. Neighborhood is full of people like you. What do we do about Trumpites around us like AOC, who spoke eloquently this week about being terrified experienced during the insurrection of the Capitol on January 6th? Americans are expected to forgive and forget before we even stitched up our wounds. Are gotten or gotten our vaccine against the pandemic that former President Trump failed to mitigate? My neighbors support a man who showed near murderous contempt for the majority of Americans. They kept him in business with their support. But the plowing. On January 6th after the insurrection, Ben Sass issued an aw shucks plea for all Americans to love their neighbors. The United States, he, he said, isn't Hatfield McCoy, McCoy, this blood feud forever. And he added, you can't hate someone who shovels your driveway. At the time, I see the Capitol just desecra- was just desecrated. But maybe my neighbor heard Sass and was determined to make a bid for reconciliation. So here's my response to my plowed driveway for now, politely but not profusely. I'll acknowledge the Sassian move with a wave and a thanks and a minimal start on building back trust. I'm not ready to knock on the door with a covered dish yet. I also can't give any neighbor absolution. It's not mine to give. Free driveway work, as nice as it is, just not the same currency as justice and truth. To pretend it would be to lie, and they probably aren't looking for absolution anyway. But I can offer a standing invitation to make amends. Not with the snowplow, but by reconciling the truth about the Trump administration, and more important, by working for justice for all those whom the administration harmed. Only when we work shoulder to shoulder to repair the damage of the last four years will we even begin to dig out of this storm. Replies. She's a white girl, too. Kurt Mills, you get your driveway plowed by a stranger offered to be your friend with flashes between the skull, yourself as arbiter of truth, justice, and absolution. Unity and healing, people say. I'm legit trying to figure out if this column is satire. I mean, at one point, it doesn't seem to be understand that Eddie Murphy's white like me skit was a joke. Political bunny. Talk about overthinking something. Just say thank you. I don't need to be your friend or know your political view to do a kind deed. Matter of fact, I'd rather not know. You think there's going to be a turn to self-knowledge towards the end of this amazing column, and then there is not. She was getting something for free. I thought the left was all about free. Such a sad, sad state of affairs this country finds itself in. Yeah, 
And it's not the right. We actually may be able to wake the woke with kindness. The only thing anyone with manners would do was just say, thank you. Byron York. Dilemma for writer Virginia Heffernan, who has a getaway, by the way. If that isn't white privilege, I don't have a getaway. This is my getaway. A homemade bunker. When it snows at her pandemic getaway, helpful neighbors plow their driveway unbidded. Do a great job. What a nice thing. They don't do this in the city. Only problem, neighbors support Trump. Hefferman frets, realize I owe them thanks, but Trump. Hefferman becomes suspicious. This could be like a terrorist thing. Hezbollah, the Shiite Islamist party in Lebanon. Oh my God, they're Trumpite terrorists. Or they're Trumpite Nazis, after all, with the French shit. Instead of just acknowledging the legitimate kindness, am I also sealing us in as a fellow traveler? This is terrifying, and what if the neighbors commit some other kindness in the future? What about, what then, Heffernan? What do we do about the Trumpite around us? My neighbor suborned a man who showed near murderous contempt for the majority of Americans, says Hefferman. Still, they plowed the driveway so nicely. What to do? But wait, Heffernan can give her neighbors something she'll give them to opportunity to apologize for supporting Trump. More importantly, Heffernan will offer her neighbors the opportunity to put aside what they believe and take up what she believes. What could be more generous and neighborly? Heffernan, I can offer them a standing invitation to make amends not with the snowplow, but by recognizing the truth about Trump's administration. Thus, Virginia Heffernan comes up with a way to repay the spontaneous kindness of neighbors. A wave of thanks and an invitation to become like Virginia Hefferman. What more could a neighbor want? I'm getting to a point in a second. Megan Kelly. This woman compares her Trump-supporting neighbors who plowed her driveway to Nazis, Hezbollah, and wrestles with whether to show them any kindness since she can't give them absolution. Note to Hefferman's neighbor, don't plow it again. They're winning. That's all I can say about this. They are winning. That media conglomerate and the Dems are winning. This is no different than what my friends said to me. They have brainwashed everybody to truly believe to support Trump, you must be a Nazi. You must be a white supremacy. And and they're not talking mega They're talking about people like me, who didn't dog everything he did. Who questioned 81 million votes. That was my question. Prove to me how 81 million people came out to vote for a guy in his basement who didn't even... Politic. But maybe there's the answer. Conservatives and their guilt over Trump and in believing all the lies fed to him for four years. How did he harm people? In two weeks of Biden's administration, he's already harmed more people. Unborn babies, people have lost their jobs, gas is going up. What the fuck? His policies are directly targeted to red states. 
$15 an hour will cripple the economy. But that's not Trump. He's not Trump. He said it with a smile. So it's not as threatening. Trump did criminal reform. Trump didn't hurt transgenders or gay rights. He was for gay marriage before Biden was. Trump just stopped them from going in the military because you can't go in the military with ADD, depression, psychosis, and gender dysphoria is a mental condition. You're not born this way. I don't care if Lady Gaga told you that and the mainstream media brainwashed you to believe it. You're not born that way. Transgender regret's a real thing. 80% of them go back to their original sex. All you have to do is... Research transgenders, people, what they say. Walt Heyer, read him. He's been a guy, a girl, and a guy. I'll take his over the media. This is incitement. Damn who lost New York 22 race, and I buried it here for a reason. Shocked. Anthony Brundini. I am shocked and surprised by the decision because of the countless errors and discrepancies that have occurred throughout the initial count. I believe a full audit and hand recount is the only way to resolve this race. With the margin so thin, the ever-changing tally, and the countless errors that have occurred arriving at today's final number, we can't afford to wonder. We have to get it right. Because this is not a raffle, this is a congressional election. The law took effect January 1st, says we abide by hand count whenever the margin is 5% or less. It's even closer than that right now. Let's follow the rule, get the right for our constituents, and count all 325,000 plus votes. It's shocking right now. No one knows who actually won this race. My opponent and I deserve true clarity. JM, I have been told by my betters in government and the media that the language is this language is seditious and rooted in white supremacy. He questioned fucking dominion. This is incitement. This is treason, sedition, insurrection. That's all they typed it. These are baseless accusations. He lost. A Democrat should tell him to concede. Hey, Twitter, where is the fraud warning? That's the key thing. No. This is disputed. The Republican won. Stephen Miller, this is a losing candidate in New York 22, calling for insurrection. There are no Twitter labels on these tweets citing election misinformation. Twitter is not applying the rules equally when it comes to public civics is why they will get regulated. Where's the warning? We were told by Democrats and their media allies that questioning the outcome of election was an affront to democracy. But apparently you're not shocked by the countless errors and discrepancies throughout the initial count that gave Joe Biden... The election victory. Plot twist. Judge rejects Dem lawsuit alleging voting machine irregularities. After 94 days of hard-fought election process, I'm grateful for the voters and supporters to have once again the privilege of serving our community. GOP wins New York 22, will control 213 House seats as Congress, just five short of the majority. And let's understand, that means they picked up 18 seats and 12 of the seats are females. But we don't have a time cover. 
We don't have a New York Times article about how women are in power now more than ever. And we don't have any media, including CNN, losing their shit because of Democrats questioning voting machines. Nope. But I'm a seditionist. I might get in a tower with the rifle and shoot people. Because I just said 81 million votes is bullshit. Everybody here in the world, in the real world, in reality, not media. If you don't read WAPO and New York Times and watch CNN and MSDNC all day long. If you're in the real world... Every person, including people who wanted Trump to lose, people who campaigned for Biden, won 81 million? Wow. How? Then you have this one for Brianna Morello. In 2019, Hunter Biden was too broke to pay his child support. In August 2020, Hunter Biden paid his 450000 tax lien within six days. In 2021, Hunter signed a book worth two million, a book deal worth $2 million. In 2021, Hunter purchased a $5.4 million home in California. Hunter's living the American dream. Really think about that. Think about that. Think about it. Yeah. And then you get real media that's not media because it's not CNN or MSNBC. Only three, 33% of a poll actually are for Biden's abortion agenda. Influx on border with Mexico to test Biden's immigration is what they're saying. But if you watch conservative news... They're not testing. They're catching and releasing migrants and letting them just come in without any COVID test. But Florida without mask, that's a story. Not illegal immigrants just flowing the fuck in untested. Nichols. Tom Nichols, is this who it is? We endeavor to bring you the top voices on current event representing a range of perspectives. Below is a column arguing that Biden is governing as a unifier. You can find the counterpoint here. I'm not reading it. He's governing like a unifier. Really? How about this? Since I'm, you know, really suspect... Cory Bush, a riot is the language of the unheard. Sorry, I was nauseous as shit. I drank a bunch of coffee. I want to talk to my constituents in the window, their lives and their rights to be protected. My team and I are working to ensure the urgent needs of people who are incarcerated are not ignored. Inmates smash windows, set fire at St. Louis jail. That's a congressperson. That's a congressperson. White House firmly committed to $15 minimum wage after CBO says it would cost 1.4 million jobs. That is an utter lie. How do I know it? Well, locally, in the real world, not CNN, every Walmart marketplace is self-checked now. They've let everybody go. That's just four jobs shipped. Kroger to launch pilot for entirely self 
checkout store. See, they're not factoring that in, but they don't realize big business is already ahead of them because they sponsored his campaign and knew, before you and I did, that he was going to gut the workforce. If you have four employees, let's just do a math problem because I know it's tough. Four employees making $8 an hour and you're profitable, you're going to two now because there's no way you can have four people at 15 when you were only playing out 32 an hour. It's just math. Jake Tapper and Chris Hayes lose their minds in citing against GOP and reveal next step to control the narrative. Um, Chris Hayes, the shamelessness of Republicans on Sunday shows is a sight to behold. You got hundreds of thousands of Americans killed. This is, once again, he's, he's doing the COVID thing. And then help deadly attack on the Capitol to stop a peaceful transfer of power. And it's all, well, shucks, why are Democrats so divisive? They damn near destroyed the goddamn country. Unprecedented death and destruction and misery and mourning. Absent some apology and honestly, nothing they have to say is worth anything at all, 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 all. How about Jake Tapper? Not on my Sunday show. CNN's most special flower has thoughts. Let's listen to this jackhole. He used to be an actual journalist. MAGA mob fed lies for months about the election, stormed the Capitol, an insurrection that cost at least five lives, including Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick. There have been, as of Wednesday, 181 people charged related to the riot, Justice Department announcements and court documents show. Zachary Allum, shown here allegedly trying to break through the doors to the Speaker's lobby. Kevin Seafried here with the Confederate flag. Rachel Powell, shown here with the bullhorn, allegedly giving instructions. That none of them are wearing masks correctly is a testament not only to the fact that they also ignored health guidelines during the pandemic, but they did not think that they would be held accountable for their actions. We're going to walk down to the... Did you hear him individually name BLM people or Antifa who are destroying people? How about the guy, the, the cop that got killed, the African-American? Because that's all CNN cares about. You know, you and I get shot in the face. He's not going to fucking care because you're white. You, you don't get any, you can't get intersectionality cred on Twitter talking about white deaths. But did we talk about the chief of police who got shot and murdered on live TV? Did we ever show their faces? See, this is the brainwashing. We're going to equate the capital bigger than a summer. Once again, a summer of fucking this. This was all summer. And it was insurrectioned by these people. And here are the articles coming out now. Because they know when they go to impeach Trump, his defense is going to be, if we incited a riot, then they did. So they're going to play a montage of what I play all the time. Representative Maxine Waters denies encouraging violence against Republicans. 
Representing Maxine Waters defending her fiery rhetoric ahead of reports that former President Donald Trump's lawyer will use her past remarks as part of the impeachment defense. Speaking on MSDNC Sunday in an interview on the upcoming trial, Waters categorically denied that she ever glorified or encouraged violence against Republicans. Sorry, I had a, phone, I had a whole fucking lockup. At the last minute, Trump got these attorneys, and they're going to use this tape against us, and blah, blah, blah. On June 2018th, Los Angeles, Water told the crowd supporters to confront and harass Trump administration. She then did it at a diner, which she was going to punch him in the face. But that's a good person. The same team. AOC. Let's get back to our AOC lies. These are sent to me by my son. That's her with Kennedy, and that's her with... uh, uh, freaking uh, Rosa Parks. Because she's a survivor and shit. Her tweets after getting caught lying. Pretty horrible. Well, it's good to know the kind of person she is early. Also good to know that Mace is cut from the same Trump cloth of dishonesty and opportunism. Sad to see a colleague intentionally hurt other women and survivors to make a buck. Because she is using it like Democrats do it. For fundraising. And Democrats do it all the time. And AOC talking about opportunism. Really? Got much self? Joe Cunningham already proved to be the leagues more decent and honest than Mace. The House was far better off with Cunningham. Wham, I'm a bitch. Nobody believes anything you say, Mary, a black woman says. You were never in any danger at all, but spent days accusing Ted Cruz of trying to have you murdered. And this is the point I want to make over and over. PolitiFact, AP, Washington Post, leap to defend AOC's riot claims, CNN alone and flagging her a bit false. Every one of these media groups... We'll say Trump incited a riot. He needs to be drawn and quartered. Everybody that did the Capitol needs to go to jail for 400 years. But these people, right here, I'll put it back up, the Dems, they said it for four years, which got us a summer of this. And nobody cares. That, just let it go. Unity and shit. Unity. Unify. PolitiFact. No, Representative Maxine Water didn't say Trump supporters are not welcome here. I'm not going to play it again. I played every fucking podcast. I'll play it in This Is America. She did. Angus Kirk, we have ears and eyes. Water is on video saying exactly that. Water's remarks... In 2018, I said, if you see them anywhere, if you see them in a restaurant, if you see them in a department store, even at a gasoline station, you tell them, you're not welcome here or anywhere. Literally, this is for silly Spock. At 520 in the video, you linked in your article, Water says, if you see anybody from the cabinet, you create a crowd and you push back on them and you tell them, they're not welcome here anymore. Correct. She said anywhere and not here, though here is pretty much a subset of anywhere. Hey, PolitiFact, seems you forgot this. Washington fucking post with subtitles in a restaurant in a department store. 
at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd and you push back on them. Tell them they're not welcome. I don't make the rules. I don't make the rules. You guys do. But she said it. They said worse. That video, punch somebody in the face, was at the Oscars. But once again, the person that thinks I'm going to go up against a tower and I'm going to storm buildings with their jab, I'm more of a threat than people who called for violence and violence happened. Baseball field violence, beating up people with red hats. That's all good. I'm not defending the Capitol. And I'm not defending Trump. I'm just calling balls and strikes. If there's a party that's called for violence, it's not the Republicans. It's not just Trump. The media, the Democrats, and never Trumpers called for violence. The simple fact that election's over, Biden's president, he's done 50 executive orders and wiped Trump out. Never Trumpers, anti-Trumpers, conservatives that don't want Trump, you should all be happy. It's over. Everything he did is wipe the fuck out. But we're still having, should I thank my neighbor for fucking plowing my driveway? Who's got the hate problem? Which side? For me, it's quite obvious. I've been researching this shit for fucking almost six goddamn years this April. And for six years, it's the left calling for violence, not the right. New GOP Ron Wright died Sunday from COVID. Jeet here. Wright died of COVID yesterday. He was already hospitalized when he or more likely his staff tweeted this out. Democrats are choosing teacher unions as special interest over the well-being of our students. The CDC says schools can be opened safely if proper precautions are taken. What are we waiting for? Democrats are choosing teachers union, blah, 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 blah. Wow. The GOP party has no low. Hey, I wanted to follow up with you about some concerns I had about this. Hey, Ron, can I get an update on this one? Wonder what you think about this now, three days after you're dead. As a society, you cannot, not, cannot continue to beat the dead horse that is irony. Denial in the end. Hi, Ron. Checking on to see if anything might have happened to change your mind about COVID. That's the left. But it's me and my camouflage hat. Please read carefully. They're coming for you. Gad Saad. Heard back from Associate Editor of Psychology Today. The email was truly breathtaking. It explained the hypocrisy of the ruling class. And in my interaction with Seth Rogen, I used terms such as hypocritical fraud and various parasitic virtue signalers. This was apparently unacceptable to frontly criticize a public figure for proclaiming love socialism whilst benefiting from the most capitalist industry and the most capitalist society ever should apparently be tackled with gentle words and empirical evidence. What is the empirical evidence that would be required to critique him? I should have perhaps stated that Rogan's position was problematic but noble, and that he should be conducting a six-month longitudinal psychoanalysis of his motives for having such a fractured incongruity between his stated beliefs and his daily reality. I've been writing for Psychological 
Psychology Today since 2008. This is the first one that they've ever pulled. I've generated nearly 7 million readers for them, but the use of parasitic is simply unacceptable to them. My book is titled The Parasitic Mind. I know the editor-in-chief personally. I know many of the senior editors. What is transpiring transpiring is chilling. Okay, well, get ready. I'm activating my honey badger. P.S. My article that was pulled had become one of the five most popular on their site in 30 minutes. But apparently it's too triggering to be mean to Seth Rogen. It's non-empirical based polite language. It's going to be everywhere. It already is. This is a real article. And, I, and I'm going to load it real quick. But... While we do that, I haven't been playing any sound bites. So let me play a couple sound bites. And I'm going to load this picture to show you what they do, how they've always done it, how they get away with it, and how people get brainwashed. But it's faux news. Faux news. We got to be worried about faux news. It's all about faux news. So we're going to play a Pasaki, and AOC's not factual, uh, and a Mar soundbite. A recount movie trailer soundbite, because that was actually a movie in two, you know, 2000, because that was when you could question elections. And, um, yeah, that's what we're going to play. One of the criticisms of you is that your math is fuzzy. The Washington Post recently awarded you four Pinocchios oh my goodness. for uh, misstating some statistics about Pentagon spending. If people want to really blow up one figure here or one word there, I would argue that they're missing the forest for the trees. Um, go ahead. Thank you, Jen. Uh, I have two rather quick questions, then a little bit more meaty one, if that's okay. I like the setup, so I can know what to prepare for. Go ahead. Okay, so the first <laughs> quick one. Uh, this, I, I'll frame it as a yes, no, or maybe, perhaps. Uh, I never like those questions, but go uh, ahead. Will President Biden use the power of the bully pulpit to help cajole teachers who are unwilling to go back to schools to go back? Well. One, I'm just going to reject the premise of the question. Uh, I will say um, I have teachers in my family, as I'm sure many of you do. Um, they are the first people to tell you that being uh, teaching in the classroom and being able to engage with kids in the classroom or middle schoolers or high schoolers in the classroom, it makes their job more enjoyable, makes them more effective at what they do. The president is absolutely committed to reopening schools. He wants them not just to reopen, but to stay open. And he wants to do that in a safe way. And we're going to rely on CDC guidance, uh, which again, is not officially out yet, to determine the best way to do it. But there are several mitigating factors that we've seen in data to date that will help make it safe. Of course, vaccines are part of that, but so is masking, so is social distancing, so is ensuring that schools have the ventilation and the um, facilities that they need in order to do it safely. That's our focus. So the president's focus is on, and that's one of the reasons why he's out advocating for the American Rescue Plan. Part of that is funding so that schools can do exactly that. That sounded like a yes with an asterisk. I, 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 you, if you are the spokesperson for the White House, you could certainly say that, but you are not. But you can ask me another question. And finally, new rule, as long as we're going to go to the trouble of another impeachment trial, we might as well be honest about what it's really about. <clears throat> the events of January 6th were a faith-based initiative. And Trumpism is a Christian nationalist movement that believes Trump was literally sent from heaven to save them. It's right there in Senator Tommy Tuberville's campaign ad. God sent us Donald Trump because God knew we were in trouble. 
There's a lot of talk now in liberal quarters about how Republicans should tell their base, who still believe the election was rigged, that they need to grow up and move on and stop asking the rest of us to respect their mass delusion. And, of course, it is a mass delusion. But the inconvenient truth here is that if you accord religious faith the kind of exalted respect we do here in America, you've already lost the argument that mass delusion is bad. <laughs> it's fun to laugh at QAnon with the baby-eating lizard people and the pedophile pizza parlors, but have you ever read the book of Revelations? Yeah, that's... That's, uh, that's the Bible. That's your holy book, Christians. And they've got seven-headed dragons and locusts that have the face of men and the teeth of lions and other stuff you only see after the guy in the park sells you bad mushrooms. <laughs> Last week, the big story was Marjorie Taylor Greene believing in Jewish space lasers, which answered the question, will there be comedy after Trump? But the book of Revelations will tell you exactly where the world ends. Megiddo, Israel, I've been there. (laughs) Yeah, that's where all of the armies of the world will gather and Jesus will come down on a flying horse shooting swords out of his mouth. Jesus, not the horse. And have a thousand-year cosmic boss battle with Satan, the Beast, and the Antichrist. It's like ten Avenger movies plus ten Hobbit movies times a night out with Johnny Depp. (laughs) Spoiler alert, Jesus wins. Yeah, that's nice. I bumped the New York Times. I guess there's a big war in there. I really don't care because the New York Times is a liberal magazine, so... A liberal newspaper that is controlled by Twitter when you really research it, so it doesn't really matter if they're having wars. This is Chris Jackson, and you heard the, 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 the Christian bastard. It's very big on the left. It's, it's what they do. Christians are suspect. Remember that. We're all a bunch of goddamn terrorists. Chris D. Jackson. Our POTUS, Joe Biden, quietly attended church this morning. Didn't mean tweet. He didn't golf. He didn't gaslight. What a change. Nice try, Chris. Actually, no, it wasn't even really a nice try. Honestly, we take every one of these mean tweets if it meant the thousands of people losing their jobs, paying more for their insulin, and or watching their daughter's sports be destroyed could get back to normal. And seriously, gaslighting to talk about Biden not gaslighting. Whatever. Here's the problem. Please note the attached photo was taken by a parishioner at a service of the towards the end of last year. According to reports, Biden often sits in the back alone, careful not to interrupt services. Here are some press photos from today's service, because he got caught. Two hours later, Jackson admits the photo is old, classy. From the looks of the photo, Biden and his granddaughter Natalie, Natalie visited Bo's grade after the service. Bo would have turned 52 this last week. Chris Cardillo, Biden hack Chris Jackson, cost using a pick from November 15 from his own timeline to claim President Silver Alert was in church yesterday. They have so little respect for you, they don't even try to hide their lies. So you're just using stock images now? That's not why I'm covering it. This is normal. We do this all the time. All right? We do this all the time. It's the comments in here. Now, remember, we have been told... Over and over and over that Trump supporters, not me, Trump supporters are cult. 
If I read, he's such a humble man, once, I read it a thousand times. If I read, he's a true Christian, he's for individual rights for abortion and gays. This push to try to say all those that question anything are terrorists and seditionists, simultaneously saying he is a real Christian because he believes in abortion to live birth, is so comical. But yet people fall for it. When all you hear is that, how do you not fall for it? When you don't research for yourself, you just open the New York Times, the WAPO, and our mainstream media, how don't you end up believing total nonsense? It's just total nonsense. I, in a million years, would never say what a Christian is. I am a Christian. I don't go to churches. I pray every day, twice a day. But I know aborting a baby is not a Christian thing. It's not in the Bible. It's not in Catholicism. And aborting a live baby definitely is murder. I don't want to ban abortion. I, like 70% of the country, don't want federally funded abortion. I, and that includes the morning after pill. I don't, I don't condone that. I, like 67% of the country, want restrictions on third trimester. If you can't make up your mind on rape, incest, all the little things that try to attach to it for semantics, I really don't give a fuck. Make your mind up. Other than the health of the baby. Or the mommy. If the mom's going to die because the kid's coming out sideways, yeah, I got that. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about I don't feel like it anymore. Or I don't like the color of the eyes. Or like the commercial I played. And it's got a deformity. I don't want it. That's not our... We don't do that. We have free birth control. We had an election on it. Rush Limbaugh was supposedly running the GOP at the time, and he said something foul, and we did a whole election. So that's already been litigated. You got it. To the shadow campaign. I'm going to read the whole thing next time, but I'm way over today. Uh, You can't... Share the story, Tim Pool. I don't think that even matters at this point. Time Magazine just came out and said a cabal of elites rigged the election. I'm sorry they said they didn't rig the election. They fortified it by changing the rules and laws as well as manipulating the flow of information. This claim of election fraud is disputed and this tweet can't be replied to, retweeted, or liked due to risk of violence. Cassandra Fairbanks. Here in the video, we found a vote mobile van arriving at 3.30 a.m. and 4.30 a.m., driving directly into the TCF Center and unloading dozens of boxes each trip. This was eight hours after the ballot deadline. That's actual videos. I never played it on the show. This claim has been disputed and fraud disputed, and this tweet can't be replied to retweeted or liked due to risk of violence. I should have put this with the DNC guy pitching because Dominion. This tweet may be snarky, but it's factually true. Times said this Twitter has published a false statement of fact. He then retweeted their article, The Secret History of Shadow Campaign that Saved the 2020 Election. Risk of violence. It's all about context now. When Twitter's going to ban time. 
Wow. Why can't you like this? We try to prevent tweets like this and others wise breaks the Twitter rules from reaching more people. So we have disabled most of the ways to engage with it. If you want to talk about it, you can still quote tweet. Because Tim Pool reworded what they said. They rigged the election to ensure Trump wouldn't win and they saved democracy. Those are the words. We'll start the next podcast with it. We did it last time, but now Twitter is blocking it because everybody's pissed off that Time would even publish it. Why would you? That was on the up and up. If you question it, you're a fucking seditionist. Glenn Greenwall. Uh, I'm not going to read that one. That's about the fucking female that she left. Man says resistance has failed. Here we go. This is good stuff. Robert Parmley. We will have failed ourselves if we don't follow up and eradicate every traitor and insurrectionist Trump supporter that enabled this pariah in chief. No warning on that tweet about violence. But I'm pretty sure eradicate means death. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Could be me. Could be me. Mediate! Tommy Christopher, the president is tweeting on Saturday morning, but something is different. A lot of articles like this. Tommy Christopher is a hateful liberal who literally um, hates everybody. Inside Joe Biden's first trip aboard Air Force One as president. Those are stories now. At this time in the Trump presidency, it was um, it was a little different. CNN analyst has a Twitter rule about how to tell which people probably suck. Stedmund. One of my Twitter rules is if someone's avatar and header photo are both pictures of themselves, they probably suck. The entire world shows Jim Acosta. Ron DeSantis, because once again, we're still stuck on Florida. Florida is a super spreader, even though New York has more cases, more deaths, murdered 14% of their fucking Old people, well, we don't care about that. That's, we're not covering that. Why would we cover that? That hurts the home team. We don't cover that shit. Why would you cover it? What is wrong with you for covering it? Why? Fucking goddamn people. You gotta be kidding me. Jamel Hill. A lot of people seem to be just finding out that Florida's COVID strategy largely has been fuck it. Florida's been wide open for most of the pandemic. Number of deaths from coronavirus in the United States. New York, California, Texas, Florida's way down there. Facts don't matter, her reply. And yet, oh no, somebody replied to her. And yet they have lower death count than New York and California who took draconian measures. A lot of people seem to be just finding out that Florida's COVID numbers are significantly better than California and Texas. Doesn't matter. They don't care. They just don't care. No. 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 Brian Seltzer roasted for harm he's done to journalism. His response ends up proving the point. On Sunday, CNN resident media Hal Monitor and lead Joe Biden apologist Brian Seltzer brought on Yahoo White House correspondent Brittany Shepard to give her assessment on the Bazaki era of White House press briefings. It's going to be our This is America. I'm prepping it. Um, where's the other fucking seltzer shit? He's mad. 
Seltzer tries so hard to dunk on Reagan Battalion after they hurt his little feelers. Reagan Battalion. You see, Brian Seltzer is just an unbiased media anchor, and Brittany is just an unbiased news reporter. No one, including Donald Trump, has done more to damage press credibility in this country than Brian Seltzer. Not a single person in this country could compete with him. His response, I have one-hour show on weekday weekends. Check yourself before you wreck yourself, he says. Why is everybody saying that? Well, because of this soundbite. We'll do two now. Because we got an article from Tommy Christopher, a super gay rights advocate reporter dude that hates you Christians. He's even calling Don Lemon out. It's time for the worst soundbite. When the liberal media is pushing one of them agenda story and says, This is America. 2021. Love your assessment, Brittany, of uh, the Saki era thus far. Regular briefings are great, but there have been a few times where uh, the White House has seemed to, to step in it. Well, Brian, it's been really refreshing to have briefings every day and to even know who the senior officials talking to Biden are. We were not getting that in any of the Trump mm. years, especially in those waning days of the McEnany briefings. And it is refreshing. I do kind of... a put it towards like having a really bad ex-boyfriend. <laughs> we were getting essentially abused by Kaylee for so long, or at least she was calling us fake news and inciting her followers uh, and the followers of the president to not only harass us online, but obviously go to uh, deadly ends for some people with death threats. Now... Uh, fi- finally, sir, you, you, you voted to in- impeach President Clinton when you were a House member. And when you did so, you cited John Adams and his, his hope that none but honest and wise men inhabit the White House. And then you went on to say this. Mr. Speaker, it is with great regret that I conclude the current occupant of the White House has utterly failed to live up to this standard. I cast my vote for impeachment to protect the long-term national interest of the United States to affirm the importance of truth and honesty, and to uphold the rule of law in our nation. As you know, the president was impeached for lying about an affair. Why is lying about an affair more impeachable than inciting an insurrection? Um, And um, the president had the fire going. You can't see that in that picture, but apparently uh, President Biden is um, very partial to having all the fireplaces lit. In, in the White House, uh, he uh, I'm told he actually uh, lights the fire himself in the Oval Office most mornings, even mm. though there are plenty of butlers and White House staff in order uh, in, able to do that. And we learned today um, that that President Biden is going to channel FDR and is going to start having these fireside chats with, um, you know, uh, Americans from all walks of life to hear from them about the challenges they're facing and what they need. And that's a new digital strategy that's going to come from this White House, these fireside chats from President Biden. So that was interesting. So hard with kids not being able to play sports now. It really is. I think about the price so many of my grandkids and your kids are going to pay for not having had the chance to finish whatever it was. That graduation where you didn't get to walk across the stage, I think... They're going through a lot, these kids. 
So many people may not know that you were once a pretty good receiver yourself back in the day. I had wild dreams of wanting to be president. I thought I could be a flanker back in the <laughs> NFL. <laughs> but as a former receiver, which quarterback would you rather have throw to you? Tom Brady or Mahomes? Obviously, Brady's a great quarterback. Mahomes seems like he's got a lot of potential. And so I'd probably take a shot with the young guy they didn't expect as much from. You thinking the Kansas City Chiefs may win? Well, I didn't say that. I, I don't know who's going to win. I think they're both great quarterbacks. One is just a younger version, potentially, of an old great quarterback. Not old, in NFL terms, old. <laughs> Mr. President, thank you for joining us. Enjoy the game. So, um, Green's, uh, some of her defenders like to hold this up, right? They accuse you of saying things that are just as bad as Green. That's their accusation. Back in 2009, you faced bipartisan backlash for uh, comments that were deemed anti-Semitic, including saying that Israel uh, has hypnotized the world. You apologized, saying, my intention is never to offend my constituents or Jewish Americans as a whole. We have to always be willing to step back and think through criticism, just as I expect people to hear me when others attack me for my identity. This is why I unequivocally apologize. What do you say to Republicans who equate you and Congresswoman Green? Oh, it's ludicrous. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's it's not even something worth uh, addressing. They know uh, they're doing what it, what it is in their playbook, uh, which is every time they are accused of wrongdoing to say, hey, look over here, there's a Muslim, there's an immigrant, there's a black person doing something else, uh, which is exactly what they did uh, right after we came back, um, after the insurrection on January 6th, still terrified. They said, oh, no, these were not white supremacists. These were not the mob we unleashed on you. Uh, these were Antifa. Uh, and so, you know, I'm not surprised. Um, it is expected uh, that they are not willing to hold themselves accountable. Um, they don't have a shred of integrity. Everything is a game to them. Uh, it's important for all of us um, to remember to not play their game, to stay truthful, to remain um, confident that the American people see through their childish, foolish. a lot of rhetoric now that says white people born in this country are inherently racist and I'm seeing it a lot from white people now this is seemingly a drug addiction and that drug is called white guilt but it's not their fault because it's sold to us through books like white fragility and how to be an anti-racist it's sold to us in our mainstream media like CNN and ABC it's sold to us through our entertainment straight from Hollywood and it's sold to us by big tech so I really don't know who needs to hear this but I'm gonna make a quick video saying 
that as long as you don't believe that your race is superior to other races, you are not a racist. Thank you. That's a lot to unpack there. I know, a lot to unpack. So we had basically Brian Seltzer's guest saying that Trump spinmeisters harm people. We have a Clintonite who was part of Bill Clinton's administration during the impeachment talking to a Republican without ever saying he is actually was part of that as the opposition. We have Nora O'Donnell, who's now leading up CBS News. Every interview I've seen with them, with Biden, they, they're in love with this guy. I mean, it's a cult. It's the new cult. But we won't hear about deprogramming when Biden dies in office or whatever the fuck happens to him because he's so fucking old. They're going to get rid of him soon enough. And they want to put up with hours of Biden is the greatest president. He's he's FDR now. Uh, you heard that with Nora O'Donnell. Uh, he's Reagan. He's everything. Then you have um, basically the Don Lemon piece, which I'm about to cover. And then an African-American on there literally talking like I talk that look at these people getting brainwashed with this. Everybody's fucking racist. We're all just a bunch of racists. Because they put the intersectionality together and nobody researched that the Kendi X's and all these motherfuckers, they just came up with a way to make money and win Democratic races by being able to always say everything's about race. It's all about race. But you go to the Lemon statement and the headline on Mediate with Tommy Christopher the LGBT mafia hate all Christian guy. Don Lemon's remarks about Trump voters and the Klan and Nazis are a slap in the face for 74 million Americans. And he goes down to all the people that said, hey, that's a horrible thing. But, of course, the punchline. Both of those reaction, reaction conspicuously failed to answer a key question in my mind. Where is the lie? Lemon's assessment was factually correct. These people did vote for a man who was an overt racist, who had already sided with Nazis and white supremacists in Charlottesville and actually campaigned on his support for Confederacy and who had been sowing the seeds of capital insurrections for months before the election. But that's not the most important question in determining whether Lemon should apologize. Something can be true and still be messed up to say. That's the reason I mentioned that Don Lemon is openly black because the fact adds the sting of an already painful statement. Pain that was evident not just in the response from those two prominent Republicans, but also in Cuomo's devil's advocate in his attempt to follow night, following night to separate Trump voters from the insurrectionists. It's painful because as a black man, Don Lemon's words about racism carry extra weight. And it's painful for people like Cuomo or Erickson or Biggs to hear a black man indict people whom they wish to believe are decent. It's a slap in the face to 74,222,593 Americans. There's no other way to say it. In Lemon's case, it's an easy answer, of course. He should not apologize. All 74 million of those voters and people like Cuomo, may, who may count some of those 74 million of friends, should be thanking Don Lemon and asking for another. A slap in the face stings, but it can wake you up. What he said was inartful, but he never said those people are good people. He never said all Mexicans are murder and rapist. That's just the facts. That's not being a Trump supporter, because I'm not. That's just the facts. 
If you go back to every one of these conspiracies on what he said, it was just a conspiracy. And then it was deceptively edited and put out as fact. Every video ends when he says it, not the whole statement. And people hate it because they hate him. They just hate the guy. Yeah, he's a bad dude. But if we're going to have a standard, it has to be one standard across the board. If you're going to say Trump is the worst president ever because he incited riots, well, the left and the media have been doing it forever. If you're going to impeach the president for a phone call that Obama did on open mic, then you need to impeach Obama. If you're going to say he incited a riot, evidence mounts of the Capitol breach was pre-planned, eroding incitement allegation and Trump impeachment trial. They took down Parler because they said Parler's the one that did it. The reality is it was Facebook and Twitter where they planned it. But they didn't take that down. And nobody's come back to say, hey, that's wrong. They didn't do it on Parler. Not everybody on Parler was a racist. Some people just put out their podcast, like me, on my Gab account. I don't go to social media. I don't use social media. Social media is why our country is so fractured. It's why the New York Times is no longer a newspaper. It is social media directed on headings, subjects, Tom Cotton. And in that montage, you saw they're still saying burn it down in Washington, D.C., Nobody's covering it. We have 10-foot fences for no intel saying there's going to be an attack. Because the, uh, ad, ad, the the fucking totally aggressive Trump supporters. Take the dip out. Forgot to take it out. Sorry, Jeej. They know he's not getting impeached. You don't have 70%. You don't have it. It's not going to happen. Was he wrong to do the fucking speech there? Yeah. But they had already planned and were already executing a riot before he even started speaking. It's proven. They can't even charge people with murder. The only murder that occurred that day that was murder was the female Air Force sergeant who got shot in the face and she was unarmed. We don't even know why she was shot. There's been no reporting on it. The New York Times hasn't looked into it. They just did an article about, oh, look how hard, horrible it is. This nice person got ruined by Trump. I think this next thread really sums up where we're going. You know, I started with they're winning. They're brainwashing people. They believe anybody, the 74 million people are evil. Because you voted for a person that they can't stand. And slowly but surely, the very, very far left has now become mainstream. All the ideas, intersectionality, climate justice. People are eating that and they're believing it because it's hard not to. If you spend all day just watching mainstream media, you become a liberal. You can't help it. It just happens. And you start believing that stuff. And you get away from the fact that most of it is grounded in false science, False statistics from the gun shootings to everything. Prove it on the show. It's all a lie. No, Elizabeth Warren, there isn't a transgender genocide. But there is a veteran one at 17 and a half a day, and nobody cares. We worry about self-identified, I've thought about suicide, teenagers who don't know whether they want to be a boy or girl when they wake up. 
That's where that stack came from. It just takes a little work to get around Google. I mean, Google still is suppressing things. Twitter is still suppressing things. The election's over. Biden's the president. But if you thought it was going to stop, and the censorship and opposing views wasn't going to still be suppressed, you're smoking crack. These people are the fascist. They've always been the fascist. The Reagan quote being batted around is 100% true. Democrats are the fascists. Intersectionality as a whole is fascism. You put something overlaid to every cause you want to use to pander people to go out and vote, and you lay over the top the extra. Well, you're a transphobe, but you're also a racist. You're a climate denier because you don't want the Green New Deal, even though you believe in climate change, but you're also a racist because only black people get affected by climate. It's very fascist. But with COVID in this election, we've seen a lot of this. And this is a New Yorker writer lecturing indoor eating. And it goes really well with the Florida stuff, but I kept it for This is America because this is just so fucking good. There's no excuse for eating indoors at a restaurant right now that doesn't ultimately boil down to, I really want to, and that just isn't good enough. If you're going to make a selfish decision, at least have the courage to own up to it. Don't wrap it in a personal exceptionalism or a weird veneer of altruism. Your desire to do this outweighs your concern about the consequences. That's just how it is. And with so much of the how should we behave during COVID conversations, opening indoor dining is the government contradicting itself. A desire for economic progress at odds with the urgent need for pandemic progress. The problem with the opening indoor dining is that it doesn't actually help the ongoing economic disaster and it raises the risk of infection for literally everyone. Restaurant workers and customers and everyone that those, every one of those people come into contact with. A particularly enraging way that the government has failed us during COVID has been to create this narrative of individual responsibility. It's up to customers to save businesses and jobs and communities. That's impossible to do. It's manipulative and hollow. It's a tautology. We cannot, as individuals, do the things that government ostensibly exists to do, which is to protect people in a way that surpasses the capacity for individuals. The thing is, we already we know already how much we have been failing. How much we have been failed. You've already been through the cycle of indoor dining, reopening, and then closing again. We can't save each other in the way the government should say, should have saved us. But we still owe each other care. When NYC indoor dining first reopened in September, the seven-day average for new infections was in the 300s. On December 11th, when Como shut it down, it was 3,391. On Friday, when he announced the Valentine's Day reopening, it was 5,579. Some of the anti-scold scolds in my mentions are pointing to this Eater article as proof that indoor dining is A-OK. Sorry, boo, but this is a poorly written article with a dangerously misleading heading. Restaurants and bars account for 1.4% of the COVID. That's, that's just facts. But once again, when gender isn't a fact, math isn't a fact. For starters, it's irresponsible in a headline to state single study findings as fact. More deeply, contact tracing is the single least reliable data metric, especially in the U.S., especially in NY, where it's been voluntary and self-reported. Mobility studies all 
of cell GPS data, which track entire populations, not just self-reported infected people self-reporting for their movements, show without a doubt that all indoor interactions contribute to spread. Restaurants, which by nature involve maskless, are hot spots. Kudos and thanks to Eater for updating the headline and content of the story to more accurately reflect the nature of the data. Restaurant and bars account for 1.4% of COVID-19 spread in New York, according to limited state contact tracing. I'll reply to this, you need to read the Constitution, but I used the article on purpose. Right there, you see what your media is. This lady wants to tell you how to live your life instead of being American. Make your own choices. Pressures another media outlet to change their heading when that 14.4% is universal for almost every city that's done a study. It's not a place you're going to get it. The staff is masked. You're with your family six feet apart from others. And then it hits the disingenuous fact that the only reason why we're reopening in New York, L.A., Chicago, Boston, is because they don't want Biden to have the bad economy. Before, they wanted Trump to have a failed economy, so they kept up with it, even when the data didn't back it, even the data didn't show things. And then you take the overall premise that Cuomo has the most cases, most deaths, killed grandma, while they were saying we're all going to kill grandma, and a state like Florida, with preponderance of elderly, has less deaths, less cases, and they haven't masked at all. It's the difference between really reporting facts and reporting bias. Agenda. The agenda for COVID since the day it got in America is Trump will be wrong whatever he does. If you follow the whole thing, don't wear a mask, wear a mask. He shouldn't stop travel. He stopped travel because he's a racist. Everything he did, and it's just not him, the next Republican, he, it could be a gay black dude selected by Sunrise Movement, they will say they did it wrong. And the media will do a bunch of statistics that won't really be true, but they'll make it look like he fucked everything up, or she fucked everything up, or it fucked everything up. It's what always happens. And they will make a hero out of some Democrat, and it'll be news. And sadly, people will eat it. We are under a, a wave of fucking misinformation that has never been this bad. It has been non-stop biased media since Trump took office. You have 10-foot fucking fences around the people's house for no fucking reason other than to prove a point we're in charge. And then you have House Republicans say Pelosi broke her own rules and bypassed metal detectors. Demand she should be fined. But she's the one that called for the fucking metal detectors. She called for it. Because one Republican wanted to carry. And her people wanted to make politics about it. Now I read that article for one reason. For my big close. From the start to the end, you're catching a general theme that if you don't vote Democrat, if you don't read the New York Times, you're the enemy. 
And they're brainwashing more than just Democrats to believe that with the echo chamber that anybody that questions this administration, the election, doesn't condemn Trump like them. You're the terrorist. And I think Tucker summed it up really good from COVID to everything. You're the enemy. Everybody else is real Americans. The CDC issued a press release that begins this way, quote, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is expanding the requirement for a negative COVID-19 test to all air passengers entering the United States. Testing before and after travel is a critical layer to slow the introduction and spread of COVID-19. The strategy is consistent with the current phase of the pandemic and more efficiently protects the health of Americans. Got that? It's all about the health of Americans. And that's why every human being who enters this country by air must first present a negative test for the coronavirus. That includes American citizens. There are no exceptions. Corona infection, in fact, is the one universal reality of the human condition. We are all potential incubators of this deadly violence, vi virus. But it doesn't end there. Travelers who test negative for COVID must still wear masks at all times. And that includes while on board the airplane or while walking through the airport. If you don't have a mask on, you had better be actively chewing. Otherwise, prepare for a steep fine and the possibility of never flying again. Nor is one mask necessarily enough. Tony Fauci has announced we ought to consider wearing three masks at once. A paper petticoat for your face. That's how serious our government is about fighting this global pandemic. But of course, you knew that. You've watched it. You know that the risk is imminent and profound enough that your children likely have been out of school for a year. Your business may be shut down right now. Your parents may have died alone, unable to hold your hand in the final days. The United States itself bears no resemblance to the place you once knew 12 months ago. But those are the sacrifices you have been asked to make, and you have, and for good reason. COVID is dangerous. It's existentially dangerous, they keep telling us. The authorities are more than willing to destroy your family and your country in order to protect you from this virus. That's their public position, stated every day. Do they actually mean it when they say it, though? Those pictures of California Governor Gavin Newsom eating a maskless dinner in a crowded room at the most expensive restaurant in America were one indication that, no, maybe they're not entirely sincere about their COVID policies. Maybe it's kind of a sham. Maybe there's one standard for you, a member of the despised and much bullied plebe class, and another very different standard for politically favored groups who can do whatever they want. Now, you'd hate to think that could be true in a country like this, a country with such a long and noble history of egalitarianism and equality under the law. Unfortunately, there has been growing evidence of that double standard. Now there's hard proof. Tonight, we've learned the Joe Biden administration is releasing thousands of foreign nationals living here illegally into American neighborhoods without bothering to test them for the coronavirus. People from countries with high infection rates, living in crowded conditions, sent forth into the American population like COVID isn't real. That's happening. It is the official policy of the U.S. government. On Friday, the White House was asked about this policy, and here was the response. The U.S. Customs and Border Protection is saying that they're having to catch and release some migrants without giving them any kind of, of COVID test uh, before they're entering the community. So what, what is being done? What could be done? 
are you are you suggesting they're letting people in across the border without testing them or just tell me a little bit more they're why being released they're having to because of the uh executive order that the president signed earlier this week which, which executive which one yeah which one covid infected illegal aliens released into the united states whatever it's not like there's a pandemic the press secretary didn't care enough to answer the question. No big deal. Can I remind you that our treasury secretary is a woman? Shut up, you've been empowered. But people who know the details of what is going on right now feel very differently and they are worried. Brandon Judd runs the Border Patrol Union. We do not test the illegal aliens we release, Judd told the show. Quote, so we're releasing people without knowing, which obviously puts the public at risk. Well, yes, it obviously does. Leon Wilmot is the sheriff of Yuma County, Arizona. Last week, he wrote a letter to one of his senators, Democrat Kirsten Sinema. Wilmot called the Biden administration's new policy, quote, a particularly dangerous approach. As he put it, quote, there is currently no protocol for testing any of these people for the COVID-19 virus, nor is there any support being offered by the federal government to house, feed, medically treat, or transport these immigrants. And that's why in some places, taxpayers are paying for foreign nationals who should be deported to live in hotel rooms unlike you, they're not paying for your hotel rooms. But if that seems crazy, disconnected from reality, it is a small part of the Biden administration's immigration policy, a policy that seems designed to hurt the United States as profoundly as possible. In an internal memo sent last week, ICE officials announced the administration is suspending something called Operation Talent. That operation targeted sex offenders, but no more. Illegal alien sex offenders are now a protected class. Then a day after that, another internal ICE memo announced that, quote, effective immediately, the Biden administration would stop deporting illegal aliens who've been convicted of drug offenses, assault, DUI, money laundering, property crimes, fraud, tax evasion, or who have gang tattoos. Going forward, any illegal alien charged with a crime, but not yet convicted of a crime, would also be safe from deportation. So what does all of that mean in practice? Well, it means, for example, that an MS-13 member arrested for drug dealing with previous convictions for, say, theft, extortion, grand larceny, would have to be released back into the United States, maybe into your neighborhood, even if he had been deported many times before. That's not some crazy hypothetical, by the way. Things like that will happen. A foreign national charged with rape, but who flees before trial, and that happens quite a bit, cannot be deported either. Technically, he hasn't been convicted of rape. So deporting him would be an act of bigotry and so on. This is all real and we will see cases like that guaranteed. The question is motive. Why are they doing this? Even if you thought the United States badly needed more low skilled workers in the middle of an employment crisis, even if you believe that, even if you believe that your right to cheap housekeeping is more important than the right of the American middle class to exist. And many of our leaders emphatically do believe that. How exactly do you explain suspending the hunt for sex offenders? How is that a good idea for anyone? How is it a good idea to release illegal aliens in the middle of a pandemic without even testing them for the coronavirus? How does all of that conceivably help you as an American, as someone who pays for all of this stuff? Well, of course it doesn't help you, but helping you is not the point. No one's even pretending the point of this was to help you. It's the opposite. The point is to punish you. When we release people who break our laws without even bothering to test them for the virus, the same virus we've used as a pretext for wrecking your life, what we're really saying in the clearest possible terms is, we don't like you. This isn't a policy, it's an act of aggression. 
It's designed to humiliate you and demoralize you. Reckless and destructive immigration policy is the penalty you are paying for your white supremacy. Every word of that is factual. 100% factual. When we started this odyssey, my brothers, some friends, and I started podcasting 2015. I slowly got to the point around 2018. They hate you. The media, the left, conservatives, they just fucking hate you. By the time we get to 2021, that's no longer a theory. That's factual. And the sad thing is, when I started this, it was the far left. It was young kids. It was the Twitter crowd and Facebook and college campuses that believed all this crazy intersectionality. Everybody's a white supremacist unless you vote like us. Crap. Now it's our mainstream media. It's every corporation. And sadly, conservatives believe it now. Because how can they not? And the zeal to hate Trump, his voters, or anybody that doesn't question Trump's every fiber as being horrible, every policy as being un-American, anybody who questions election results when Democrats win now, anybody who doesn't just pearl clutch over a Capitol riot that was horrible, it was un-American, but it sure the fuck wasn't what a whole summer was that was financed by our vice president, every major corporation, and supported by our media. You say those things, you're un-American, you might go in a watchtower and shoot people or storm federal buildings. They're winning. They got our grade schools, they got our college, they got the airwave, and now they're getting normal conservatives to believe the same crazy fucking shit that a Jamel Hill does. I don't not read White Fragility, Kendi X, the New York Times, and WAPO, because I don't want to learn something. I don't read them because they're fucking propaganda. It's the same reason I don't read Red States and Gateway Pundit, the Daily Caller most of the time. And sadly, I search for answers that take a long time to get around Google to get true studies, usually by Axios and a few other media sources that haven't totally sold their soul to the Twitter mob and the DNC. And invariably on every issue since I started this podcast, whatever the media told me, whatever the establishment told me in Washington, D.C., was a lie from gun shooting statistics to every town gun shooting statistics to Planned Parenthood to fucking everything. It's all a lie. So, as my brother and sister, my good friends, my wife said last night, don't change you because of one text. Don't question what you're doing because of one text. Almost every liberal friend I had on Facebook deleted me and walked away because I wouldn't change my view to theirs. Well, conservatives aren't going to make me change my view either. Not everything Trump did was bad. He was a bad person. 
never liked them, never said I did, never wore Megan, I never go out in the street and march or storm buildings or do anything. But I won't believe that Biden is the answer just because you hate Trump. Invariably, it comes back to the same thing. I would rather vote for a Republican I don't believe in, I don't like, than to vote for a Democrat. Because with the Republican, at least I know what the fuck they're doing. And if they do anything crazy, they can't really do it. With a Democrat, we have an entire media establishment, social media established, and most of our goddamn corporations funding their crazy. And as I stated, the day the election happened, I will believe it. You're not going to see a Republican president again. You'll probably never see a Republican House or Senate again. It's over. In the zeal to eradicate Trump, you eradicate any ability for anybody to ever win because now it's all rigged. And rigged by the fact that we're going to do mail-in ballot, financed by corporations to keep the Democrats in power, and you can't verify mailed-in ballots. You just can't. You just can't. Anybody could be signing it. Anybody can do anything. There's no way in a country of, what, 300-some-odd million people you're going to check every ballot signature. You're not. Especially when it's usually Democrats in the major cities running it. They're not going to. If it came from the right district, it's going in. And that's not a conspiracy. That's factual shit from this election. Video evidence of conservative ballots and garbage cans, ditches. People have been arrested. They cheated. Do I think it was to the amount that Biden got handed the election? No. But it was the first go. And when you have Time Magazine literally bragging that they rigged every forum to make sure that only Biden could win in the court of public opinion, why would you think that would change next time? Next time, it'll probably be a black female named Harris. Do you think the audacity of these Democrats and how they've acted for four years is ever going to change? They were knocked on their ass because Hillary lost. There was no way Hillary was going to lose, but she lost. But they are mobilized. The media's mobilized. That's why you didn't see a Trump press conference. That's why you didn't see a Trump fucking rally. But you saw every parking lot bullshit Biden did for four people. You saw his videos. You saw nothing but negative. That's the future. That's what we will get forever. And now they're working on that you can't go to another source and find anything else. They're going to try to get to the Daily Wire. They're going to try to get rid of Fox. Their YouTube is exterminating anything. That's why I've gone to Rumble. Everybody keeps telling me from the establishment educated, I went to college, I know better than you, talk off my nose, you fucking peasant Walmart guy who thinks Trump wasn't that bad all the time. Trust the republic. We lost the republic. It's over. The moment Trump was treated the way he was by both parties, take Trump out of it. Take your hate for him out of it. We'll never have a third party in this country in your lifetime. We'll never have third party candidates ever get anywhere because both parties went together with the media and exterminated him with lies after lie after lie after lie that they've never been held accountable for, never been culpable for, never have had to retract. The whole Russia thing's a lie. All this is a lie. 
Majority of what they put out was a lie. But it was okay because Republicans' establishment and Democrats' establishment said, we're not going to have this outsider take over the country. The FBI was involved. The fucking every agency was involved. You'll never see a third party. It'll never happen in our lifetime. It won't happen in my grandkids' lifetime. That's the sadness in Trump. Not that Trump lost the person. The idea a person from the outside could go in and change and listen to common people of all stripes, all backgrounds. That's what we lost. But you also lost the ability for Republicans ever to have a platform. Because they will use January 6th, while ignoring the summer. I mean, they've already made Marjorie Green a fucking Trump. She's a Trump now. She's a martyr. A whole bunch of people are going to follow that idiot. And she is an idiot. But to exterminate her idiocy and ignore Omar's, Tlaib's, fucking Cory Bush who came from BLM. Kill all cops. All cops are bastards. That's a congressperson. You could sum up what has happened in all this at the behest of the establishment, the media, conservatives, Democrats, far left, middle of the road, doesn't matter. All people with a D behind their names. Is that people like me are the problem but their very representatives aren't. I'm the problem. I shouldn't have a voice, a vote, be able to own a weapon, do anything. That's what all their policies are regulated against. Normal, flyover state people. Tucker is right. We are the enemy in the media, and the Democrats, and conservative, standard Republicans. We're the enemy. Because we question too much. And we just need to shut our fucking mouths and do as we're told. So this wraps up another episode of Flavor Politic. You can get it all on foppodcast.com. If you're a purist, you can get it on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, Downcast, yada, yada, yada. Check out the Twitter account for Fop Tony Reed. I only fucking retweet people. I'm not really tweeting a whole lot. I wanted to have a moment of zen today, so I'm going to put it in really quick as I close out. And every day I'm going to post a picture of Betsy, my happy place, my little puppy, or a dog. That's going to be in there. So you're going to see two pictures. Me and the better half out on LBL yesterday having a great time walking around in the frigid cold. And you're going to see my baby Betsy. Tune in Wednesday. Wednesday? No. What am I talking about? Sunday. Sunday. Sunday will be the next podcast. I can't believe. I don't even know what day it is. Sunday, 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 the uh, 14th. Uh, as stated, I'm, I'm doing it today because I was going to go fishing tomorrow and then I got freezing rain, so I probably won't even have power. So Sunday we will do one and it'll be nice and toasty down here because we're going to be like uh, daytime high at 20 and the low of 4 when I come down here. So good times are going to have, good possibility, some snow, so I'll get some pictures of that too. As always, disconnect from all your devices, don't give the yeah yeahs. tune back in for the next show and thank you. 
for listening.